Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, a pleasure to be here with our Catholic audience and our non-Catholic audience, if anybody's out there uh, listening. We are about a week into Lent. And, you know, it's early on. Um, it's funny because a week into Lent, and I guess the question is, how's it going for you? How is Lent doing for you? Are you feeling... Um, a little bit more spiritual, a little bit closer to God. Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about a few tips on how to hopefully make Lent fruitful and successful and really focus on those Lenten promises that we're doing. You know, as kids, we grow up and a Lenten promise sometimes is just a throwaway promise, but, uh, or what I mean by throwaway is not that it's not important, but we don't think about it much. We just think, well, gosh, I'm going to, I remember classically, all the teachers growing up, they were all giving up chocolate. And I thought, okay, and classically it was, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up uh, watching TV or something. But there's a few things we've got to ask ourselves when we do that. Is that really something that is appropriate as a Lenten promise? What is an appropriate Lenten promise? Things to think about. But as we get started here at the top of the show, um, let's go ahead and start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beautiful prayer. If you've been listening to the podcast last couple of weeks, the Our Father, very important. Last time we talked about how we can use the Our Father as our guide um, to our Lenten journey, to trying to get closer to Christ. And that's really the bottom line here. Well, <clears throat> a few things, a few different types of uh, things we need to think about. You know, what is Lent really? You know, we, we see it, we start off with Ash Wednesday. So we start off with Ash Wednesday, which is a very public, obvious day of penance, a very public, obvious day of <clears throat> admission that we are not perfect, that we are sinners. And what I mean by public and, and obvious is that, yes, of course, you can say, well, I went to Mass, or there was an Ash Wednesday uh, service that I attended, and what did I do? I got my ashes. Did you start Lent right? That's how most people feel. Did you get your ashes? Interestingly enough, Ash Wednesday is not a day of obligation. There's no uh, obligation to go get ashes on your forehead. There's no obligation to go to Mass or an Ash Wednesday service. Uh, it's not under penalty of, uh, of sin if you don't go. Uh, it is a day of fasting and abstinence under penalty of sin. There's only two days that we are required by the church to uh, have fasting and abstinence, and that's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Um other than that, <clears throat> it's just uh, fasting on Fridays during Lent. Um, and technically, actually speaking, you know, we always say, no, uh, we fast from meat, or uh, excuse me, not fasting, abstaining. Let's go back up a little bit. So Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, fasting and abstinence, abstaining from meat and fasting, obviously, to have one full meal and two snacks. Then Fridays during Lent, 
is strictly <clears throat> the uh, abstinence from meat. It's not even required that we fast. We only fast on two days as Catholics. You know, we feel like, oh gosh, that's so difficult. But the reality is, I think it's difficult for us because we're not used to it. I bet you if we fasted more often, we'd say, oh yeah, okay, this is how it feels when we fast. It doesn't feel too good, but you know, it's over in a little bit. I think that's part of what fasting also helps us think about. You know, when you think about this this earth and our journey to heaven, you know, if we fast and we realize, gosh, it doesn't feel good. I really want something. This is so hard. But once I get over it and the fast is done, usually I don't even think about the uh, item I'm fasting from. Fridays, you know, or you know, the, the next day you're hungry, you eat, and then you're okay. Abstaining, kind of interesting too, because Fridays and Lent—that's when the idea of a hamburger or a steak sounds the best. Right, it's when it's the most tantalizing. But the reality is, um, you know, come Saturday, gosh, it's not even as tasty. I don't have that draw for it. Very interesting. And I think that that really reflects here on Earth. We're going to be desiring all these earthly, worldly things, and all of a sudden, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be like, why did we even want that? Why did I hold on to these things? It doesn't even make sense. That's something to think about. I think that's really what Lent comes down to. It comes down to our journey towards heaven. If we think about it, we start Ash Wednesday. <clears throat> we start with the idea that we're going to do fasting and uh, penance during Lent. But why? Why give up the chocolate? So the first thing is, as we start this Lenten journey, let's think about our Lenten sacrifice. Why are we doing Lenten sacrifice at all? What's the point? Does it matter? Are you under penalty of sin if you don't do a Lenten sacrifice? Or let's say that you've promised that you are going to uh, always wash the dishes in your household because that's going to be your sacrifice. And all of a sudden, one day you get lazy, two days you get lazy, three days and you forget to do it, you decide not to do it, you choose not to do it, even though you had made that promise. Or is that a sin? And the truth is, no, it's not actually. It's not. We're not obliged to uh do a lenten sacrifice but the question is why do we do it then why is it something that is so common that we that we think about doing it because lent is really a time of shedding the old man so to speak or the old person or the old woman or the old child or who, whatever stage of life we are at it starts off with saying i'm going to start this journey i'm going to start this journey but one of the problems I think we we just kind of think we start this journey on our own and we forget that we're starting this journey to walk with Christ. Lent should remind us really of Christ's time in the desert. Christ's time when he went into the desert, he was led by the Spirit into the desert after he was baptized. This should really parallel our thought process or should really give us inspiration as to why am I doing, what, what am I doing here? What is Lent all about? Now, the teachers in school, all of them, I, I don't know if it was all of them, great majority. I just remember a bunch of teachers would say, this is elementary school too. They would say, we're giving up chocolate. Now, I don't recall any of them saying, you know, I'm giving up chocolate because this is what's going to bring me closer to Christ. Most of them used to say, I'm giving up chocolate and gosh, I wonder if I'm going to lose some weight. I wonder if uh, I'll be healthier. I wonder, and those, those are great reasons to give up chocolate. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if that's your goal is to lose weight and to, and you feel that chocolate's keeping you from it. Okay, great. So I'm going to give up chocolate. I'm going to lose weight and then maybe I'll learn how to use chocolate in moderation and all this, you know, and that'll be great. And then come Easter, gosh, we're going to have a little chocolate fest because it hasn't been around for too long and I'm going to indulge a little bit, whatever it is. Nowhere in there did I hear any of the teachers say, 
I'm going to give up chocolate because by sacrificing this and overcoming my craving for chocolate or my desire for chocolate, because it's something I really, you know, do enjoy. And gosh, I, I don't want to be a slave to it. And I want to be able to focus myself more on desiring God instead of desiring chocolate. That would be a wonderful, truly Lenten sacrifice. We've got to ask ourselves, why am I making my Lenten sacrifice? If it's not to get closer to God, if it's actually not to prepare for my journey. So the first thing is, the first point you got to think about is, what's my Lenten sacrifice and what's the goal? What's the goal? How is this going to get me closer to Christ? It could be anything, really. The, the, tr the truth is that Lenten sacrifice doesn't even have to be obvious. On Ash Wednesday, we start off with putting the ashes. Everybody knows that, you know, on our forehead. Everybody knows that we're going to start doing penance or that you're Catholic, and some people don't know. I remember growing up and uh, having, you know, going to a, a Catholic, growing up in a Catholic school, we did do our Ash Wednesday Mass for the school, and uh, they give you your ashes. I'd go to the store, and somebody tried to wipe off my ashes and say, oh, you got some dirt on your forehead, and it was like, no, no, no. This is Ash Wednesday. There's no, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I need to wear these ashes. These ashes mean something. It's not dirt on my head. It means something. What does it mean? It means I'm starting something new at this point with the spirit of sacrifice, with the spirit of renewal. And I think that that's the first point we need to think about. What's my Lenten promise? Does it meet the ashes in terms of, is this something that's going to bring me closer to Christ? Is what I do going to remind me that I need to get closer to God? Or is it going to be kind of a marathon of a sacrifice of let's challenge myself? You know, it's not because I think it, it's easy to fall into that trap. I'm going to challenge myself and see how far I can get with this sacrifice. It's almost like a weightlifter and saying, gosh, let me see how, my, how much uh, I can lift today. I'm just going to keep adding weights until I max out and see what my max lift is. And that's challenging myself, challenging to see how strong my muscles are, challenging to see. And that's, and that's great. That's great for self-growth if you want to challenge yourself in different ways. I would ask that weightlifter, okay, if that's your Lenten sacrifice of, well, I'm going to try to keep maxing out, see how much I can lift. I'm going to keep a good diet so I can get stronger. What does that have to do with getting closer to God? So does the, does the Lenten sacrifice really remind me that, hey, I'm going to challenge myself. Well, let's look at how Jesus started his time before the desert. He started off with a baptism. It's a new person. Our baptism reminds us when we go get baptized, we are baptized into the family of, of God, and we are new people at that point. We are, um, you know, no longer the, uh, now granted, most of us get baptized when we're babies, so we're not going to notice the difference. But our soul has an indelible mark at that point. We are marked. We are, there's something different about us. Jesus baptized before uh, he went to the Jordan. He got baptized by St. John the Baptist right before starting his mission. And right after that, he was led off into the desert. Lent should be kind of the same thing for us. Jesus went up to the desert 40 days, four nights to prepare for the start of his journey. Now, I think if we don't have that idea, so this is the second thing. One, we got to pick a Lent sacrifice going to bring us closer to God. But why? Because the second point we got to think about is this is going to help me to prepare my journey to see what mission God has for me. I want to get closer to God, but God is going to give me a mission. We're going to talk more when we come back from the break about how do we handle that? Now, I have this idea of a mission. I have a job to do. That's pretty much what we got to think about. When we come back from the break, we're going to see how can we find the, the job God has already done. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Breaking Mountain's Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Ball Show. Today we're talking about, am I truly prepared for Lent? Am I starting off Lent right? It's only been a week. Have you already broken your Lenten promise? Possibly. Gosh, it can happen that you break a Lenten promise within a day, within two days. I think one of the reasons that happens to people is because we don't necessarily come with this perspective. Well, actually, I should say this. We come with a perspective into Lent of I'm doing this for myself or I'm doing this on my own or gosh, you know, it's penitential and I don't like to think about my sins. I'm a bad person. Um, and we start with these Lenten promises and where is our heart in the Lenten promises going to bring us closer to Christ or God? I think the second thing that we need to think about besides number one being make a good Lenten promise is to recognize that as we're walking through Lent, we're not alone. We're not walking this journey on our own. Sometimes I think we think, gosh, I need to prepare myself so then for Easter I can I can present myself to Christ at that point. And I'm I I kind of ran the race and all, you know, and Christ was in the background. I'm doing this. And come Easter, gosh, if I kept my Lenten promise for 40 days, now I'm perfect. Now I'm great. Now I'm feeling awesome. Now I can go to church. Now I can present myself to God. And the truth is. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not trying to impress myself. And this walk that we're doing during these 40 days uh, is not, it's not just my walk. It's my walk with Christ. From day one of Lent, what I got to do is say, hey, where's Christ in all this? And in fact, I need to start speaking directly to Christ. My Lenten promise, regardless of what it is, I need to start recognizing that I'm going to walk this journey with Christ. Christ, what are we doing today? No, I'm not perfect. I've got all these sins. I've got all these shortcomings. I've got all these challenges in my life where I carry a heavy burden. And gosh, I've been trying to get rid of the addiction to gambling. I've been trying to get rid of addiction to pornography. I've been trying to get rid of the addiction of, you know, pride, whatever it is. Sometimes we think I need to do this on my own. And the truth is we got, we need to, well, and it's easy to see that because Christ went into the desert by himself. I guess one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, do we recognize that Lent is a journey where Christ is accompanying us and we need to accompany Christ? And what does that mean to accompany? In today's day and age, we say, oh, you, there needs to be acceptance. You need to meet people where they're at. You need to accompany them. And in today's society, unfortunately, what that translates into is you need to just talk to people and whatever they're doing, just tell them that whatever they're doing is 100% okay. And that they're great the way they are and that they don't need to change because God loves them the way they are. And it's partially true. God does love us for who we are. God made us. Um, but God is still trying, probably asking us, who are you? I made you. Show me who Show me who I made. We have free will. We have the decision to um, make choices. And the choices do carry moral clout. Sometimes we make choices in one direction towards heaven, or do we make a, a choice away from heaven? That's something to think about. But as we're walking, as we're accompanying people, as we accompany Christ during Lent and he accompanies us, it's not about, I'm not going to sugarcoat and say, Jesus is going to tell you, oh, you're perfect exactly the way you are. He's going to say, you're perfect. And now we need to get you to be fulfilled to where you're supposed to be, because there are imperfections there. There's no question about that. But let's improve those imperfections. Let's walk together. Let's see every day of the journey, if we're doing the struggle, okay, let's say that you did sacrifice um, chocolate because it is a strong desire for you and you feel like you can't live without chocolate. Well, the first day might be easy because you're like, it's day one. 
day two, a week into it, gosh, you might've had a piece here or there. Does that mean that it's over? No, it means you keep going. But the question is, why did I give it up? Because I'm trying to get closer to God. Every time I feel that hunger for chocolate, do I go ahead and turn and say some prayers to God and say, you know what? I don't want this. I want to focus on God. That was my whole point. So a few little prayers. I'm going to attach a website here. I know that some people use the uh, Hollow app, which is actually a good app. has a lot of good prayers in it. Um, lots of anything that brings me prayer is good. Uh, and some are easier to navigate than others. I'm not putting in a plug for the app. I'm just saying this is the website that showed up when I was looking up for good Lenten prayers. As I'm going through, as I'm trying to keep my Lenten promise, as I'm trying to remember that the sacrifice is supposed to bring me closer to God, I need to be able to turn and say, hey, gosh, I'm being tempted right now. I'm being tempted to uh, eat that chocolate. I'm being tempted to watch TV, whatever it was that I decided to not do, or I'm being tempted to not go wash the dishes that I promised I was going to do. That's the moment to pray. That's the moment to say, well, the whole point of this is to get closer to God. Okay, let's do it. I mean, it doesn't have to be a full, oh, I got to take out the rosary and play, pray for 15 minutes, or I have to go and now I've got to go to mass every time I feel tempted. Now, we want to go to mass and hopefully more often, hopefully daily. Uh, if we understood what the mass was, truly understood it from a spiritual perspective that we are right there at Calvary, we'd probably never want to leave. But here we are on earth. Our eyes are hidden from that. Our human eyes are hidden from that. But a quick prayer would be fine. There's a list of prayers that here that uh, on this website, I'm going to put the link to it on the show. But one prayer might just be, God, may your light guide my day and your spirit bring me peace. Amen. Simple, easy enough. And what I like about that one is, I think sometimes we think of Lent as a time of darkness. And this is point number three with Lent. As we're doing this, as we're walking this journey, sometimes we think, gosh, this is a time of darkness. It's a time um, where I have to go into the closet and, and close the doors and, and turn off the lights or go into my cave or go into somewhere, you know, in a, a dark room and just be in prayer and penance and knock them out. But the truth is this journey should be a journey of light. It should be a journey of saying this sacrifice is going to bring me closer to the light of God. And that's what I like about this prayer. It says, God, may your light guide my day. And I think we need to think about that every day during Lent. It's not necessarily my sacrifice. It's my sacrifice to get cl closer to Christ, to get closer to God, to get um, more enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And this is where it's wonderful to ask for light, to say, you know, Lenten should be a time of light. It shouldn't be a time where we feel like, oh man, I gave something up that I should be, you know, mourning. Yeah, I should be mourning my sins. I should be trying to perfect myself. But point number three in all this is, we got to get to the light of Christ. And that's the whole point of walking with Christ. So first point was, let's make a Lenten promise that we recognize is going to bring us closer to Christ. Point number two is, let's make sure that as we're starting our journey, we recognize that we are not alone in this journey. Christ is walking with us. And point number three right now is, let's remember this is a journey of light. It's a journey to enlightenment. It's a journey to get closer, to have clarity in our hearts. Here's another good um prayer. Uh, it says, may I stand in solidarity today with all my brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering. May we be united in your love, and may I work to build your kingdom here on earth. I really like that prayer for a few different reasons. As we're doing this journey going towards the light of Christ, this is a beautiful prayer. It's a short prayer. We can say things, something like this when we are tempted or when we feel like we're not um, 
fulfilling our Lenten journey, if you will. And it's, may I stand in solidarity today with my brothers and sisters. This reminds me, I'm not doing this journey alone. We're all doing this journey together. Yes, our sacrifice is individual. How much I put into it is up to me. I can't really uh, blame anybody else for the love of God that I have in my heart. That's up to me to decide how much am I going to love God today. But we're doing this together. I'm not alone in this journey. And this is around the world. This is where we think, if, we, if we're going to think, hey, I'm walking with Christ, let's remember that Christ calls himself the church. When he was talking to St. Paul, uh, St. Paul was on his way to Damascus, and he was blinded by Christ. He tells him, why are you persecuting me? If we're suffering, if we're feeling bad, we got to remember that Christ identifies with the whole church. So we are in solidarity with our brothers and sisters around the world, and our suffering means something. You know, a lot of times uh, in the pagan world, sometimes people think suffering shouldn't happen. Gosh, why is there suffering? If there were a good God, if God were good, he wouldn't let people suffer. Not necessarily the truth, because we're not here in heaven yet. We're preparing our way to heaven, and suffering can happen. It's supposed to happen, and it's here on this earth because we're not perfect. It should be expected. It shouldn't be something we're surprised by, but it should be a tool. It should be a tool that we use to say, hey, in the midst of my suffering or the suffering I'm experiencing, I'm going to join the suffering to Christ's suffering. I'm going to offer this up. I'm going to say, this is in remission of my sins or in remission of somebody else's sins. Hey, I'm going to pay the fine for somebody else's sins right now. Why not? That's what Christ did for us. That's the whole point of the sacrifice of Christ is that he's saying, hey, I'm suffering so you don't have to. I'm paying your debt, but you got to do your part. This is where we need to think about, hey, as I'm doing this, as I'm suffering, is this a moment of darkness? No, this is a moment of light. Because the more I suffer, or for Christ, shall we say, the more I suffer for the kingdom of God, the more I'm united to Christ. Isn't that the whole point of our Lenten journey? What is the point of our Lenten journey if we're not going to be more truly united to Christ? Here's another good one, another good short prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm truly sorry for the moments today where I miss the mark. I ask that your forgiveness and the strength to better follow you call, excuse me, hang on. I ask for your forgiveness and the strength to better follow your call tomorrow. Amen. Interesting prayer. Uh, I really like this one. Heavenly Father, I'm truly sorry for the moments today where I miss the mark. To miss the mark, what does that mean? Actually, that's uh, another way to say that I sinned. When we sin, we miss the mark. We're trying to aim for something, and as I go through life and I do something, ah, didn't hit the mark. Now, it's a really nice soft way to say that because if you're thinking of it as target practice, say, I missed the mark, I'll try again. That's true. Um, is it inconsequential that we sin? Not necessarily, but but here's the next part of the prayer. It says, I ask your forgiveness and the strength to better follow your call tomorrow. I like that for a couple of reasons. When we miss the mark, we've got to remember that we got to ask for God's forgiveness. Can our sins be forgiven? Do we have to always carry the burden of our sins? No. This is point number four for our Lenten journey, is as we're doing this journey, as we're walking with Christ, we can either walk in shame and the sense of foreboding, the sense that I'm no good, I'm imperfect, God will never forgive me, or we recognize the truth. As I'm walking with Christ through this Lenten journey, the whole point is that he's always going to want to forgive us. The whole point is that his mercy is always there, and we're asking for the strength to better follow his call. The prayer says to better follow your call tomorrow. I like that for a few different reasons. 
tomorrow is a new day. It does not mean that I have to wait until tomorrow. It does not mean that if I sin today, well, I sin today. I'm not going to, you know, I'll I'll wait till tomorrow. Now I'm just going to keep sinning today and I'll wait till tomorrow to do that. No, my moment right now could be tomorrow. Tomorrow really just means a change. It means a new day. It means that we go from the darkness, if I did fall into sin, if I didn't uh, meet my mark, if I didn't uh, meet the goals that I set for myself, all of a sudden I can feel like I'm in darkness. We got to get back to the light. How do we get back to the light? Well, if I'm in darkness, if I'm in a moment of night, I got to get back to that sunrise. And that's what tomorrow is. It doesn't mean that I have to wait until the next day. It means that in my heart, I have to recognize, nope, I'm going to start again. I'm going to start a new day right now. This second, every second can be a new start. And that's something that's important to think about during Lent as we are um, going through our sacrifices, or if it's hard for us, if it is hard to give up meat on Fridays because, gosh, it's so tasty, or if it's hard to keep up, you know, trying to be nice to my brother or my sister because that's what I promise. If that part is hard, this is a moment where I say, hey, the sacrifice here, this is hard. I kind of want to break it. I'm going to take a moment to just stop and I'm going to sit in this muck. I'm going to sit in this feeling of, of suffering or challenging myself. And as I do that, I'm going to offer it in sacrifice and start over tomorrow. Start over right now, this one second. The second will be tomorrow. We're on how to continue on happy, holy Lent. We'll be back in the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are talking today about how are we doing our Lenten journey? Are we on a good path to our Lenten journey? And, you know, it's interesting because some people might say, well, Dr. Sandoval, I already know all this. This is kind of dry information, but I think it's an important reminder. We are not walking this journey, uh, this Lenten journey alone. And we got to remember that at the end of the journey, at the end of the journey for Christ, aren't we walking with Christ as well? You know, we want Christ to walk with us. We're going to do our Lenten promises so that they're, you know, reflect our desire to get closer to God if we're doing it right. We've got to have it with a purpose. Otherwise, what's the point? And we got to remember that we are walking with Christ. Before the break, we were talking about, hey, as we do this, if we are having rough moments, we're not alone in this. It's not a, well, I broke my Lenten promise, I give up. No, it's about, God, help me out so that I can continue to be strong in my Lenten journey and get closer to you because now the challenges are going to come. As we continue this journey, we got to remember you know, if we're walking with Christ, we're going to talk to Christ. And we're going to say, so gosh, this is hard for me, Christ. I'm sorry for my sins. You know, I'm going to offer this sacrifice to you. What happens to me at the end of this journey? You know, as I improve myself, as I try to get closer, Jesus is going to say, well, if you pass the test, you're going to make it to heaven. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. That's definitely what I want to do. And as we're, if we're truly walking with Christ, we're going to say, well, Christ, okay, well, what happens to you at the end of this journey? He says, well, I get crucified. What are you talking about? You get crucified. No, I get crucified. My journey here, my mission, remember, is to save you. That's what Christ is saying. So if we're walking together and we're saying, hey, wait a minute, my Lenten journey is to give all this up so that I can overcome my sin, go to confession, try to feel better spiritually, get healthier spiritually, and make it to heaven. And it's and sweet. That's all I got to do. I'm walking with Jesus, and Jesus is telling me that, wait, no, at the end of his journey, he has to go and die so that I can do that. We got to think about that during that when it gets tough, when we start thinking, oh, I can't do this. 
this is where I say this is, you know, Lent. Sometimes we think of this individual challenge where we're going to challenge ourselves to get stronger because I gave up chocolate, get stronger because I gave up TV. Well, that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, did this bring me closer to Christ? Did this help me truly understand Easter Sunday if we are walking together? Here's a great Bible quote. Bible reading from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you of two minds. Begin to lament, to mourn, to weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, it might sound like Jesus, dark well, it sounds pretty dark. What is this? You know, he's, uh, James is calling us sinners, and he's telling us to purify our hearts and because we're of two minds and to lament and to mourn. I thought you said this was a journey of light, not of lamenting and mourning and weeping. And then all of a sudden it says, let your laughter turn into mourning. What's going on with that? Well, we need to look at what this is spiritually. Spiritually, it's about light. When we read this, let's read it by uh, uh, line by line really quickly. This is important because this is truly our Lenten journey in, in a beautiful uh, Bible passage. So submit yourselves to God. That's the first thing. When we start the Lenten journey, this is why we ask ourselves, did I make my Lenten promise or have the outset of Lent being that I'm going to submit myself to God? Not to myself, not to think that I have to do this on my own, but do I really have this idea as it says on the last verse, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Well, there's a whole lot going on between those two verses in, uh, in this Bible passage uh, that we need to dissect so that we can understand truly our Lenten journey. It says the devil, it says, so submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, you of two minds. Why two minds? You know, a lot of times people will say, uh, two minds, oh, is this a mental illness thing? Is this because you can think of it that way? It's a spiritual mental illness. It's spiritually mentally ill of us to choose sin over God. We don't see it all the time that way, but it truly is. If we're if we're continually choosing sin, there is something not healthy about our souls because that's not what our end desire is in our hearts. That's not where we want to get to. Those are our two minds where we're drawn between, gosh, I want to get closer to God, but then I'm tempted by the things of this world. So it says, begin to lament, to mourn, to weep, and let your laughter turn into mourning and your joy into dejection. What does that mean for us during Lent? What, how is that going to bring me light? It sounds like I'm supposed to be in a very, very sad, depressed state. What this really means is to mourn, to weep, the old person. Your laughter be turned into mourning. Why? Because those things that we find funny, those things that we are attached to, those things that we uh, think are so important in this world that have nothing to do with God, we have to let that go. But it's going to be painful. We have to mourn that. We have to release ourselves. We have to free ourselves from the material goods that tie us to this world. In that process, we are going to feel sad. There's going to be a sadness to it. This is why it hurts. This is why uh, the sacrifice hurts. This is why, why do people say, gosh, I tried to give up chocolate, but I couldn't do it. Am I a slave to chocolate? Truly. I tried to give up TV for Lent. And I couldn't do it. Am I a slave to the television? Am I a slave to all the material goods around me that they have me so ensnared <clears throat> that I can't let them go without feeling bad, without feeling like there's a death, right? That's really the, 
the measure that we have to have here for Lent, am I dying to myself? Interesting that we need to die to ourselves because let's go back to that first and last line, submit yourselves to God. And then the last line is humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Meaning I'm no longer going to have the desires of this world for myself. I'm going to change my desires into the desires of God. What is it that God wants? That's what I'm going to do. What is God's will for me? This is how we find out what is my mission? What is my mission on this world? We get so many kids nowadays. It is the day and age. <clears throat> they don't know what they're doing. And what I mean by that, it's spiritual. They don't know what they're doing. They feel lost. Why? Because all day long we have social media, we have electronics, we have can't get away from their, their smartphones, can't think of anything else. They don't even have their own wills anymore. They're, they're the will that they follow is the will of the media, the will of the world, the will of what's being marketed in us, the will of who's uh, the most popular person on the internet. And that's what they're a slave to. How many likes did I get? What videos out now? That's what we're slaves to nowadays. <clears throat> There's no question about it. Try leaving your cell phone or not looking at social media for a day or two days. Is that possible? Or are you a slave to it? <clears throat> this is where we turn to God. This is where we say, I no longer want to have that as my will because this is what I'm driven to. I'm driven to strictly the public's image of me, which is not even real because none of them really know me. You know, the internet space is an interesting space. Um, we don't know each other intimately. We don't know each other uh, as friends used to when you spend time with each other. We know, you know, when we see each other on here, hopefully, you know, places like Virgin Most Powerful Radio or other Catholic uh, places are a good place to renew ourselves spiritually. But it's really such a small part of the whole of the internet. And the kids nowadays, they're enslaved to the rest of the internet, to the secular world, to the world that actually makes them feel bad about themselves. I don't know anybody who goes on social media and says, wow, I feel really fulfilled now. I feel good about myself. It's like this empty void where people are looking at pictures. And I can tell you, in the clinic, people get depressed. People are getting depressed because they're looking at these pictures and they're saying, man, everybody else's life is perfect. What am I doing wrong? Everybody seems to be so happy out there and I'm not always happy. What's wrong with me? Well, none of that's real. And this is where we got to let that go and come back to the reality of God, to the reality of God in the Eucharist, to the reality of God in confession, to the reality of getting closer to Christ as we walk this Lenten journey together. So, Submit yourselves to God, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I am going to let God be the one who fulfills me. I'm going to come to God the same way that people go to the internet and say, let's see what's in here. And really, they're waiting for some kind of internal satisfaction, satisfaction of heart or mind. They're reading that, but they're not finding it. I'm going to go before the Eucharist, and I'm going to go to Mass, and I'm going to pray, or I'm going to do something. I'm going to go to Mass, and I'm going to time travel back to Calvary. And I'm going to allow that to be my adventure. And I'm going to be there and I'm going to say, Lord, I want you to fulfill me. I'm going to wait for your fulfillment. In fact, I'm going to sit here patiently until I feel moved by you before I make any major decision. That would be truly the end goal of the Lenten promise to say, as I do this, Easter comes and yeah, I can eat chocolate again, but then so what? So what the rest of the year? Now I wait until the next Lent. No, the whole purpose is now I am with God. Now I am in a position where I can hear God's voice. That was the whole point. I'm walking with Jesus. Now I understand him. Doesn't he tell us that he's a good shepherd and his sheep know him and they know his voice? When was the last time I heard his voice? When was the last time I truly said, what is Jesus trying to tell me? Where is Jesus guiding me? What does he want me to do with my life? 
so that I can be closer to him. And in fact, what's he telling me that my mission is? What is my special mission in, in life? I don't know. Did I listen? Did I hear for it? Well, here's the interesting thing. Let's say that we're doing a great Lenten journey, that we are in a spiritual place, that we are in a good uh, um, relationship with God at this point, and that I'm hearing God's voice and I'm saying, um, I think that I think that I know what uh, what God wants from me. What's going to happen now? Well, I didn't go into the details here on this uh, Bible passage from James, but and the I went into the details from the morning, from the saying, hey, you're going to mourn and weep as you let things go. But let's go back to that first verse here. So submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee you. Now that's going to come to be important. A lot of times we think, gosh, you know, during our Lenten journey, I I fell and I didn't uh, I didn't uh, fulfill my Lenten promise. I think the devil was tempting me. Oh, I, I would highly doubt it at that point. Now, it's not to say that, that can't happen, but I would highly doubt it that at the beginning of Lent, that's when the devil is going to tempt you. You know when it's going to come? It's going to come once we are closer to Easter. And once we feel like, gosh, I'm, I'm in a good place now. I'm about to start my journey. I understand what my mission is now. I understand where God wants me. And now I'm ready to go. Because now we feel like I've been perfected. I feel pretty good. I feel like I can do this. That's when it's going to come. How do I know? Well, Dr. Sample, what are you talking about? Now I'm stronger. Wasn't the devil going to flee? Uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's the time where it's going to come. How do we know that? Well, let's go back and let's read uh, the Gospel of Matthew here. This is where our, our Lenten journey, remember, we're walking with Christ. We're walking these 40 days and 40 nights. We're trying to figure out what our journey, our mission is uh, here on earth that God is giving us. We're walking with Jesus. We're in the desert with Jesus. And when we come back from the break, we're going to see what happens there toward the end. This is the moment we've got to be watchful. This is the moment where we say, hey, I've done it. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty holy. What's next? What's next after the break? All right, folks. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about what do I expect during Lent? What should my focus be? Well, Lent is a great time, and it should be a great time where we are enlightened. Uh, where we are enlightened about how to let go of those things that are holding us back and walk with Christ into the light of heaven. That's really what it comes down to. We have to be realistic. The journey is not going to be easy, and it's not going to be easy because it doesn't feel good. Or this is where we need to challenge our emotions. In today's day and age, you know, the most important thing that people will tell you, or it's very popular to say, gosh, your feelings are really what matters. And you got to make sure that you feel good and focus on your feelings. And I tell you, as a therapist, that's the last thing we do. We use our feelings and our emotions as a tool to help guide us and to help guide our decisions. But if you are fixated on how you feel, boy, we are in a trap at that point because your our feelings aren't always accurate. How do we know that? Gosh, look back on life and think about who your first crush was in school or all your favorite uh, boy band from back in the days. And then you look at these people now or you say, you know, how would my life have turned out differently? And you look at pictures from before and you say, gosh, I can't believe I used to like that person. Or I can't believe that's who I had a crush on. Well, what happened? Well, my feelings changed. So our feelings kind of go back and forth and they change a little bit. But the laws of God, our spiritual expectations, our mission from God is ever changing, but ever the same. It's always we're growing, we're maturing, hopefully, and that's a good change to have, you know, and as we do that, 
hopefully we control our emotions. That's the whole point of, you know, coming to therapy. People come to me and say, Dr. Shabba, what do I do? How do I improve my life? Whatever the sacrifice is that we made during Lent, it's a time to challenge ourselves and to say, how can I improve my life in order to present myself to Christ, in order to walk this journey with Christ, in order to feel like, hey, I am worthy of walking with Christ. How do I do that? You know, it's not always easy, but but we focus and we realize that Christ is with us as we walk our Lenten journey. We've made a uh, Lenten promise that hopefully will challenge us spiritually and bring us closer to God. We start to recognize our sins. We start to feel like, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want that life of sin anymore. I want to be closer to God and I actually want to follow God's commandments. It's not my will anymore. It's God's will. We get there. We're in a good place and we're saying, hey, here we are, Holy Week season of the tritium is coming on us and as we get through that we realize i recognize god's sacrifice for me i recognize jesus's mission i recognize that he at the end of our journey he has to be crucified because he loves me so much that he doesn't want me to suffer that he will uh, exalt me he's going to die on the cross in order to exalt me not even to exalt himself you know he didn't deemed to be um like god he being god himself as the scriptures tell us but in all of that I start to feel pretty good, like I accept God's will. And then what's going to happen is I start to feel pretty good as I come up on the end of my journey. At the end of the journey, that's when I got to start getting ready for the temptations. Now I've made a decision. I made a decision. I started walking. Okay. Sometimes people will tell you, you start walking this journey. Be careful. Now you're going to be tempted. Well, you're not going to be tempted at the start of it. Guess when you're going to be tempted? When you feel like you're doing pretty good. How do I know that? Let's read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses um, 1 through 11, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, to be challenged by the devil. And this is what it says. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the key word there is not the fasting 40 days or 40 nights. Well, actually, let's read the whole sentence. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So the key word is not the fasting. It's not the 40 days, 40 nights. It's not even the hungry part. Here's the thing. Jesus has already been there 40 days and 40 nights. How is he? He's hungry. Physically, his physical uh, situation is challenging because he's been in the desert. How's his spiritual situation, though? He's probably getting pretty darn close, you know, to God the Father spiritually. He's got nothing else. Now he's getting hungry. The key word in that sentence was after. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Why the after? Because then it says the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Notice, after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry, and then the devil comes. Not before, not at the outset. Not He wasn't like, oh, here he is in the desert. Let's go start tempting him now. No, Jesus has done some work here. He's put in the time. He's in a good place. It's kind of like the weightlifter. He's been lifting for a while. He's in great shape now. Oh, you made it. You hit the summit. Now you can relax. Now you can give it all up is really what the temptation is. Yeah, go eat all the carbs you want. Forget about your diet that you had when you were working out. You're all strong now. That's not going to affect you anymore. That's the temptation, isn't it? That's what happens here. After 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Well, that's what's going to happen to us in different ways. We're going to be at the end of Lent. And we're going to start to feel pretty good, hopefully. Hopefully, we've been praying a lot. Hopefully, we've been much closer to God. And we start to feel like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. But as human beings, usually when we're feeling pretty good spiritually, we're going to get to this point 
I'm telling you, I've been there where we say, gosh, I feel so good spiritually. Nothing can touch me. Yeah, no, I'm in such a good place with God right now that it doesn't matter. Nothing can touch me. And all of a sudden, it's like challenging the devil. It's like saying, yeah, go ahead, right? Because, isn't that what Jesus did? Let's go back to that first verse. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It wasn't he was, you know, there in the wilderness and, oh, by chance he got tempted. No, he knew that this was going to happen. We have to be ready for that. We have to be ready that come the end of Lent, we're feeling pretty good. We made it to Easter. What's going to happen at that point? We're going to be tempted. Now it's a challenge. It's not to say that we're not in a good place. We can be in a very good place spiritually. The question is, can we recognize it? Are we going to start to get prideful? Are we going to start to give in to the hunger? And there's different types of hunger, right? Jesus was hungry, probably for food, because he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. But was he also hungry to, con did he still have that hunger to be close to God? How do we know that he did? Because Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He comes back with scripture. This is how we know that scripture is truly the word of God and that it is a living word of God. He comes back to fight the lies of the devil with the truth of God through scripture. Let's look back on that reading from before from James. What does it say? It says, <clears throat> submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what Jesus is showing us to do. How do I resist the devil? What do I do to resist the devil? I, I fight him, you know, mano a mano. I get my fists up and punch in the air. Hmm? How do I how do I fight the devil? Well, Jesus taught us directly how to fight the devil. You fight the devil with the word of God. Notice that how does the devil tempt us? With words, whether they be internal words, internal temptations. The devil's gonna tell you, oh, this isn't. Uh, worth anything. No, why are you sacrificing so much? It hurts too much. God doesn't want you to hurt. God wants you to be free from all pain. God doesn't want you to suffer, right? Isn't that what the devil is going to tell us? He's going to he's going to tempt us with these words, with these thoughts. You know, don't we say at church, how do I sin? In my thoughts and in my words. And that's what comes first. That comes before what I have done and what I have failed to do. But how can I sin? I have sinned in my thoughts and in my words. Where does the temptation come? In our thoughts and in our words. What are the words that we're going to give back? Jesus gives back the words of Scripture. Well, what's going to happen to us at that point? It's just like when the devil was tempting Eve. He's going to challenge the words of God. Because then when he tempted Eve, he comes to her and he says, Hey, is it true that God said this? I don't think God's right. I don't think God's right. Because what did Jesus tell him here? Let's go back to this passage. Jesus tells him, you know, after the devil tells him to turn these stones into bread, he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, the devil doesn't stop there, right? We're going to give him the word of God, and the devil's going to give us the word of God back, but he's going to twist it. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So what's the devil doing here? He's saying, oh, I'm just tempting you to get bread, but you want to come at me with scripture. You want to come at me with truth. I'm going to give you some truth too. I am going to give you some truth. I can give you scripture. Isn't that what he was doing with Eve? He was saying, is it true that God said to not eat of this or you're going to die? Notice what he's telling Jesus. Oh, Okay, you're coming at me with scripture. He's like, yeah, that's what God said. This is the word of God. He's telling, and he tells you, but that's not true. You, you're not even going to die. In fact, you're going to have better knowledge. Those are my words. 
you know, he's come, he's coming with a, what he's trying to challenge the word of God. How does he challenge the word of God with Christ? He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And what does Jesus say? He's saying, ah, you're trying to twist God's words around because that's not what, how you're supposed to read that scripture. Jesus says that it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Why are you challenging God? Don't we do that all the time? God, if you love me, you, you'll you do this. If you love me, oh, God doesn't love me. You know, that's the biggest lie that we can say. In fact, that's pretty much blasphemy because God's very nature is love. He doesn't have the other option. He doesn't have another option. His nature is love. And then it goes on to say, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Isn't that ultimately the temptation, you know, to not worship God, to be more attached to my phone, to be more attached um, to, you know, what the world has to offer me than the simple things that God offers me. Jesus said to him, away from me, saying, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Goes back to the first commandment and it says, then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I think this is point number five for us for our Lenten journey is when we think we've made it, when we think we've, you know, gotten to a certain level of spiritual perfection, if you will, um, that's when we got to be on guard. Be on guard. Don't rest in that. Don't say, hey, I made it. I feel so good. I'm so close to God. At that point, I got to be ready to be tempted. I got to be ready to challenge whatever thoughts come into mind because it's very easy to get prideful. It's very easy to say, oh, I feel like I'm in such a good place. I'm feeling internally, I'm feeling consoled. Oh, consolation is a great place spiritually, right? Doesn't it feel so good? But that's the perfect time to say, oh, I'm feeling so good. I am doing so well. Thank God I am not like this person. Or look at that person. I can tell you officially, I can, oh, I just know. The Spirit put it on my heart. God told me that that person is this or that. Boy, those are the biggest lies we can have. God's not putting that on your heart about someone else. If you ever notice, um, you know, if you if you truly want to know if God put something on your heart, God's not going to put something on my heart about somebody else because I don't know their individual spiritual journey and relationship with God. If God's going to put something on my heart, it's going to be about me. It's going to say, hey, you got to improve in this way or that way. That's the truth. That's where that's where Jesus knew that this was these temptations that came to him were not from God. You know, he just finished his his uh, fasting. He just finished his 40 days and 40 nights. And all of a sudden, he's tempted to self-satisfaction, to pride. Think about it. He's tempted to feed the flesh. He's tempted to challenge God. And he's tempted to in all the power in the world. How many times do we feel that way? How many times do we just want to feed the flesh, challenge God, and conquer the world? Well, the good thing is, as we're going through this Lenten journey, we are going to be aware of that. We're going to be aware of that. We made it to the end. We walked with Christ. We looked for his light. And just when we're feeling like, hey, I'm on top of the world. I've got the spirituality down. I think nothing can touch me. That's when we're going to take that step back and say, hey, God loves me. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to get prideful. In fact, I'm going to show God's love to everybody around me and walk in the light of Christ.